You are tuned in to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, the founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders, sharing their testimonies and the work they're doing for the Lord. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus reminds us, Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We hope this program will encourage you to do just that. Now here's your host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest author, Suzette Henderson. Suzette is an author, a life coach, and a retired Washington State counselor, but currently lives in Maricopa, Arizona. Thank you, Suzette, for being on Faith City Outreach to share the novel that the Lord has put in your heart for such a long time, and that is called, How Can I Make Him Love Me? Thank you, Marina. Suzette, um, I know that your novel, How Can I Make Him Love Me, is based on a true story of your life. Can you briefly share um, your testimony? Well, I've written it down. Is it all right if I read it? Absolutely. When I was 13, I took my transistor radio up to my elementary school playground. I'd swing as high as I could pump while listening to love songs. Caressing my face, the wind ran its fingers through my hair. The sky was always blue and fair. The grass always smelled grassier there. Swinging and singing, that was me. Heading back home, I'd happily walk through the schoolyard without a care. Just before jumping down through the opening of the fence to the sidewalk, I'd let go of the dusty metal post and turn back. I wanted to search through the grass for a four-leaf clover. I never found a lucky clover, but every time I plopped down in the grass to pick off the petals of a little daisy, the last one said, he loves me. One day after picking the last petal, I looked up. I felt a big love from the sky. At age 14, I was spending the night with my best friend. She said a prayer before we went to sleep. Her example caused me to start daily praying, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The first time I prayed that, I was changed. I no longer feared I would go to hell. What a relief I found in praying one verse from the Bible. Of course, I didn't know everything about what that verse meant back then. I just knew Jesus gave me eternal life. Now, after 46 years of getting to know Jesus, I pray it like this, for you so loved the world, you gave your only son that whoever believes in him or has a best friendship with Jesus will never perish under the curse of death, but have everlasting life or live happily ever after with you, God. So just as I want my kids to have peace and be happy, God wants that for me. The washing of the water of the word of God has made me feel confident happy. That's great. It's so interesting to know that you just read that one verse, that one scripture, John 3.16, and you mentioned that your life automatically changed. Immediately. No more fear. Wow. Just like the, that. <laughs> the power of the living word. And I noticed that you also uh, included or incorporated the scriptures throughout your novel, How Can I Make Him Love Me? 
I know you said it's part of your testimony. And one of the main characters is Sabrina, right? And Sabrina, the yeah, very... She, she kind of reflects me, Suzette. Okay. So Sabrina, I know at the very beginning, loses her house, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know somebody else by another character, um, I believe it's her friend, Anne, who invites her to live with her. What's interesting about Sabrina yeah. is that even though she loses her house, she still feels a sense of peace that everything is going to be all right. Can you so, ex yeah, explain it a little more about that? Well, I can expound on it. I don't want to say too much because then I'll give away the book. Absolutely. But, um, Anne is a pastor's wife. She, um, after Sabrina lost a house and became homeless, Pastor Anne, I call her Pastor Anne because the pastor's wife is similar to the pastor to me, whether they have a credential or not, they're still a pastor because they're helping lead. Mm -hmm. So Pastor Anne took me into her house with two kids. One of the pieces of this novel talks about in true life, how this past, this, this couple, this pastor and his wife helped me personally. Of course, I add I think it's called ablive, ablive. I think that's the word for it. When you create more from from the story than what mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. because you can't you can't just put down an actual true story because there's other people and you don't they don't want you to write about their lives. So you have to make it all up into something. But with um, Pastor Alex and Pastor Anne, his wife, those two characters are actually true. Everything that's said about them is literal literally true and the book is even dedicated to them pastors mm -hmm. are amazing at what they will do to help someone mm -hmm. so they were a very great help all throughout the book you'll see them sprinkled in there helping sabrina and you said that this is based on a true story of you how pastors helped you yes yes they're always there <laughs> there's pastors the, the wife and the pastor is always a very important part of my life and always has been and always will be. It's, it's quite a calling. You mentioned that this book took a lifetime to write. When exactly did God put it in your heart to write about it? That's kind of a long story. So <laughs> he didn't really tell me to write a book when I was 15, but looking back now I'm 59. So looking back, he was starting to give me my purpose at age 15. So like I just shared with my testimony, um, I was 13 when I looked up at the sky and I saw a bit and I felt a big love. I didn't know what that was, but I certainly felt it. Um, mm. At age 14, I started praying John 316 because somebody said a prayer in front of me. So that made me have an example. Mm -hmm. So I did it. And then the God of word of God you know, abolished the fear of hell. That was the greatest thing he could have done for me. Um, then at age 15, I started just had this impulse to write things down to and save keepsakes. I didn't know why I was just doing that. Um, what was the question again? I forgot. <laughs> I said, when did God put it in your heart to write this book about oh, okay. how can I make him love me? So I started just writing random things down, you know, things I wanted to remember at age 15 and just started keeping things. Um, I then got married at age 16. 
and I continued to write things down. Like if there was a matchbook cover, because we didn't have lighters, that many lighters, there's matchbooks all the time that businesses gave away. I'd write something down on a matchbook. If we went out to dinner, I would write something down on the napkin and save it until I accumulated about nine boxes worth of trinkets or little reminders of, of my life. Um, so I don't know exactly when he asked me to write it. I remember asking him, what am I supposed to do? And I was on a bus. I don't know why I was on a school bus. Probably I was probably doing something with my kids. And we passed this big billboard and it was black and white. And all it said was, be the best you can be, right? Mm -hmm. That was my answer. That was my answer. Shortly after that, I, I asked him, what is the title of the book going to be? I didn't know what I was going to write about. I didn't know why I was keeping all those notes. I didn't have any clue what a writer was. I didn't know I had anything in me to do something like that. So I said, what title do you want me to have? That's where I was going to start. And um, I think God kind of impressed upon my heart. You know, what are you thinking about all the time, Suzette? And my answer to that question was, I was thinking, how can I make him love me probably a thousand times a day? So that was, the, that became the title of the book. Um, so I was probably, probably in my thirties by that time, because I got married when I was 16 and actually started writing when I was 40. So the book actually covers the, pr the prologue covers my childhood, but the the actual meat of the book covers a 20 year span of an ad libbed uh, testimony. Wow. Now the title, how can I make him love me? How, what does that relate to? Does that relate to um, God's love or does it relate to uh, physical love from a man? It was, how can I make my husband love me? Constantly. I was constantly thinking that to the point that I wasn't even taking care of my kids. Mm. And that's called codependency. Mm. Um, he, my husband was, he did meth, not math. He did methamphetamine. He also drank, but um, when you're married to somebody or involved with someone who has a drug or alcohol problem or any kind of problem, maybe porn, any kind of addiction, um, the addiction that the other person gets, the spouse, is usually called codependency, where they, they, they put that man up as an idol, that that man becomes more important than God. So everything is around getting and chasing after some kind of a dream or a fantasy. So I was trying to make him love me and be the best father he could be and be the best husband he could be so we could have a good family. So how, right. how did you break away from that? How did I break away from that? The codependency. Well, um, breaking away from that, well, I, de I developed more and more intimacy with Christ. Mm -hmm. I had to... And, and when I say intimacy, I mean into me see, into mm. me into see, like you and I are talking, Marina. Mm -hmm. um, I had to learn that 
God loved me and I had to learn to depend on him, not depend on an idol or my husband for love. Mm -hmm. Even if it was a good husband, still can't cross that line of depending more on a, on a human than on my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that took time. I had to not be afraid of my Bible. I was afraid of my Bible. The things that were written about women offended me. Um, I thought I would not love God anymore if I saw how he really was. So I had to become bold and just get in there and be vulnerable and go, okay, if I find out that I don't like you, Lord, then I guess I'm going to find that out. But I'm going to read this Bible and search it out. And I did. And he helped me understand him. And I finally came to understand that he loved me. It turned out, turned out I don't have to make God love me at all because mm -hmm. I kind of took that to him too. I used to think that I had to earn my salvation and be good enough for him. But, but now I realize I don't have to make him love me. He already did. It said so in John three sixteen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I knew it all, all along, but I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And when you finally realized that, I know it took a process, Suzette, for you to realize that, but the moment you realized that, what were you thinking or what happened in your, yeah, what were you thinking? He loves me. And I felt, um, I felt like, like a bondage, like, like, like Lazarus had bondage clothes on him. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had three wraps around my chest and my stomach. And when I was reading first John in the amplified classic version, version, mm -hmm. That's when it struck me, you know, though the writers in first John, the writer said, we have touched him, felt him, talked with him, Jesus. And me being a writer, I was like, that really struck me. Like the person who wrote that so long ago touched my Jesus. So I really read this and I really got it in. And for some reason, it, it spoke to me and I realized that there was nothing wrong with me at that moment. And there were these like three things like cut off of me. I could feel it. There was this peace and a relaxation I never had before. And I just wanted to lay there and keep my hand on my heart because I knew Jesus was living right in there. He became so real again. There's been other times he's become very real, but he became even more real. And I just kept holding my heart here. Like you really live in there. And I just had this peace and this lasted and went on for about three days. I just wanted to lay in bed and pray and keep remembering and keep washing myself with the water of the word, keep going over it and over it and feel more of what he had done for me and just really loved me. I know it seems like it was a very emotional experience when you finally realized that you didn't have to prove your love. You didn't have to work on getting God's love. He already loved you. I know that must have been a very emotional experience. How would you or what encouraging words or advice would you give women and men out there who may be in a codependency uh, relationship, marriage or marriage? I would say, uh, don't be afraid of your Bible. Start reading it. Really read it. Read it for themes. Read it. Take a book 
and read it quickly. Just get in there and do it. Because that's really the only thing. Knowing, you know, God is love. And when we're codependent, we're searching for love. Mm-hmm. And we think we can get it out of a human being, our kids, our grandkids, a mate, a friend, anybody. And that, and that search can be uh, huge. It, 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 you just feel like you're clawing for it. Your heart aches. But if you can learn that your heart is really aching for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God, your real father, and and transition that yearning towards God. You know, when you're reading the Bible, you're listening to him. You're listening to him speak directly to your heart. And it can change you just in the blink of an eye. And you can get more and more fulfilled. So in to me see, into you see with God is the most important thing a person can do in their lifetime. Could there be other emotional issues or say unforgiveness in the hearts of people who are in codependency relationships that's also preventing them from from going into the next process of realizing god loves me sure um it's very typical that you know anybody who's having problems uh it usually starts with the parents we gotta individuate from our parents We have to get mad at them. If we're codependent, we're less likely to be mad at them. We're more likely to blame ourselves for things. So we have to learn to find out what are we mad about? We have to learn, am I mad at, am I mad at my parents? Am I mad at my siblings? Who am I mad at? You have to get in touch with your anger. Because if you have, if you have no anger, which is very common with codependents, if you have no anger that you're pinpointing, you um, can't forgive anything. It's a big slide trick of the devil with a codependent person to make it. They always blame themselves and think everything's their fault, but they have to learn how to blame and put it where it belongs because there is shame and blame that belongs in appropriate places. And they got to get mad and they got to not be afraid of getting mad and individuating. Mm-hmm. The Bible clearly says you have to leave your, leave your parents and cleave to your mate. So, so many people do not leave their parents. Um, and then they start, you know, they don't leave their grandchildren. They don't, they don't leave their children. They don't do any kind of individualization. That's a really big, big deal. You have to individualize, learn, learn how to love yourself by yourself with God's help. So first you have to get mad. That's where people skip it. They always go straight to the forgiveness, but, and, and assume they know what they're mad about, but they don't even know. I suggest they do timelines of their life, really delve in and start your writing process, start writing down what you could possibly be mad about about and get in touch with that and put the blame where it belongs. Then you go and do your forgiveness stuff. There's all kinds of stuff on forgiveness, but when it comes down to it, the person that you have to forgive most is yourself because a codependent usually blames himself for everything and they have to learn to forgive themselves. The Bible is clear about um, Jesus said that if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you or God Mm -hmm. won't forgive you. It's right after the Lord's prayer in one of the books. Um, That's a condition. Um, So others includes me. I'm one of the others. So that was a really big deal to me that like, if I do something really, really bad, like run over my child, which happens all, all the time where you accidentally kill your own child, that's next to impossible to forgive yourself for that. But 
if you know that it's part of the condition of your salvation and you're you're going to go to hell if you don't forgive yourself. Well, then I guess I'm going to have to just do it because God can't forgive me if I don't forgive me either. Who is your primary audience for this book? Do you think you oh, think it's mostly uh, women? Well, it's a romance. Suspense. Mostly women because it's romance suspense. Mm-hmm. So guys who like um, women's movies, they would like it because this book reads like a movie. It's like a really good movie. It's very enjoyable. And what has been the reaction so far? The most common reaction to how can I make him love me is excitement. Um, I've repeat, I've repeatedly heard that my book is so good. I stayed up all night to read it. I have, I've heard that so many times. Um, uh, one of the best responses that I got was from a lady in her fifties. She had ADD and she had never read a novel. I mean, I don't like to read. I'm a writer and I don't like to read at all. I would, I don't read novels. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that. I read the Bible because I have to, but I, I don't like to read. So she wasn't going to read no big book. So she read my book. How can I make him love me? That's great. And she said, Suzette, I finished an entire book. That alone made her self-esteem go way up because she was able to read an entire book. Oh, that was the greatest compliment I ever got. That's wonderful. What advice would you give to readers who are reading your book or who have read your book, I should say? Well, I would, I would say aim at being vulnerable. Don't be, don't be afraid of the Bible. Be, that, my son says that all the time. I have a rap artist son named Kevlar. He, mm-hmm. he does great Christian rap. He always, he has a, pro, a radio program too. He says, don't be afraid of your Bible. So I say, don't be afraid of your Bible. Be vulnerable and aim at into me see. Aim at it. And do that in all your relationships with, with saved people. Yes, I agree. Don't be afraid of your Bible. It is so true. I would have to agree with you and I have to agree that or I have to uh, share that I at one point was afraid of the Bible. And then once I delved into it, I saw how just like you, um, how um, it changed my life, just Can like it changed you your life. Absolutely. Um, Marina, why? Why were you afraid of it? I was probably most afraid of it because it seemed like it was so conditional and it told me what to do. And I didn't like to be told what to do. That's the flesh, right? But yeah. you know, whatever it tells you what yeah. to do, it's because it's, because it's for a reason. There's wisdom in there. And mm-hmm. once I became saved, I learned that the wisdom that I apply through God's living word, not just word, transforms your life not only does it transform your thinking but your whole life the way you see and the way you respond to everything that goes around you on a daily basis so um that's what you know i see a lot of people uh being afraid of that because it is a guide the living word is a guide through your life and that's full of wisdom Um, I didn't want to be told what to do. And so many people out there are thinking the way I used to think. And some listeners right now may be thinking the same way I used to think. And I would have to tell them, be vulnerable, like you said. Take a risk. 
We're so used to um, believing the tabloids, so used to and easily can um, believe the news. And not. And I'm not saying that all news is, is um, not honest, but a lot of news is very negative. A lot of news is very, um, is full of lies. And so be vulnerable. Take a risk on God. Take a risk on reading the Bible instead of talking about uh, negative about it when you haven't even read it and you haven't even taken a risk we take risk on yes. believing the news we take risk on believing people magazine and all these other magazines out there we take risks and believe in that and we take it in so easily and quickly mm -hmm. but yet with god's word we talk negative about it and we haven't even delved and opened the pages of the bible yet so i agree suzette yeah. Let's take a risk, take a risk and you find out, find out what God is, um, has in store for you in your life. Find out what God is going to do in your life. Find out if you think it's all negative and if you think it's, you know, what people say is false, read it, find out yourself. They will know just like you did. You took a risk when you read the John 316 and it transformed your life at age 14. So right now I'm encouraging yeah, see, people to take the risk. See, in John 3.16, it says God so loved the world. The world. Exactly. This is where God, God, it says, it literally says God is love. Mm -hmm. So if, if we run up against things in the Bible that seem like he's not love, wait a minute. It says he is love. So mm -hmm. let's hang in there. And argue with him. Say, so you say you're love. Why, why is it written like this? Mm -hmm. I mean, I got so upset about it. I actually tore some pages out of a paperback Bible. Because I like, I can't handle this part. I can handle all the rest. Maybe this book isn't, wasn't written from you. Mm -hmm. Well, then later, he showed me that it was. But, and he showed, and he helped me get resolved with it. And I could see his love. But it took, I had to struggle for that. I wanted my blessing. I wanted to know are you love or not? And if I had to throw away part of that Bible, I would mm -hmm. and keep the part that keep entire books that were saying that he loved me, but he is love. But I had to fight for that. I had to understand. This is important. Most people don't understand how to study. The Bible is literary art. Most people do not have a clue on how to read a piece of literature that is written, some of that stuff's 15,000 years old. It doesn't matter what the internet says, some of it is 15,000 years old. And if we don't understand how to, how to read and interpret language, I mean that, you can go to college for a long time just to figure that out. So don't assume that you just take everything literal from that Bible, it's not literal. There's all kinds of styles of writing. There's, there, it can make you so smart if you just learn how to approach uh, reading literary art and, for, and just forget about God, if you want to just study literary art and how do you study it? How do you read it? What are the types of writing? And that alone will, t will change you. Absolutely. And just taking a risk, really being vulnerable and taking a risk. I really would have to tell you, um, would have to mention that again. Um, Suzette, your novel, How Can I Make Him Love Me? Um, I know is a novel of your testimony. 
I know you're, you quote scriptures from the Bible in the novel. Mm-hmm. Did this help your relationship with the Lord? Yes. Um, uh, some of the Old Testament was very hard for me to understand. But I, I, you know, I had to study. I had to do a lot of work to write this book. I, I did. I started uh, studying. I started studying women's history. And then I started studying some portions of scripture to try to understand, you know, what in the world was the Geneva Connect Convention, what was going on with the Israelites. You know, I didn't understand it so much. So I had to do a lot of research and study to write this book. Years of that. That's why it took a lifetime. Um, so the scripture, like uh, uh, in Jeremiah, God uh, got angry with the Israelites because they committed adultery against him. Well, that intrigued me. What? They, they committed adultery? What, you were married to them? So I could understand a marriage. So by understanding what a marriage was, I started relating that to um, my own life and to God. And what, who is he? What, what is he talking about here? And then I started getting a kind of a game plan and an action plan for my own marriage. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so you started kind of talking. So you said that it gave you an action plan for your marriage. Did it work? Yeah, it did. It took a long time. <laughs> the one thing that I know, God, God does not give up on us. <laughs> and I, I took a long time with my marriage and I did not give up easily and God does all I can say is God does not give up on us and I can tell you right now that my my real husband when I met who I married in at age 16 he he was saved and had a very real conversion to Christ before he died wow in real life that that really happened wow so it was worth it all. You know, God does not give up on us. So there is a kind of a good part to codependency <laughs> because um, he, he really wants to bond with us. Like a codependent is a relentless bonder and God would, does not give up on us. It, it's amazing. How can people grow in their love for the Lord, Suzette? How can they grow in their love for the Lord? Uh, taking time with him. Just sit if you don't want to pray or read, just sit with him. But do try to read the Bible. Do try to go to church because those pastors have special callings and they're not perfect. But the church is God's house. There's no other place. There is no other place on this planet where we can go, where lives are changed, where people help each other like they do there, um, where you can freely sing love songs to God. It's, there's no other place. Yes, there's the bad stuff, but if you can overlook that and look and focus on the positive, there's no other place where you can get uh, growth. The book, How Can I Make Him Love Me by Suzette Henderson can be purchased at Amazon.com. You've been listening to Global Gospel Worship Radio with Marina Maria. We'd like to thank our financial sponsors for supporting this internet global radio ministry. Carvajal & Associates Health Insurance Brokers, PLC, Scripture Picture, and AZ Ministry Network. We'd also like to thank our prayer partners, including Venture Church, The Spheres of Influence, The Center for Peace and Reconciliation, Repentance Day, 
as well as our media partners, the Rackman Christian Radio Station and Thanet Christian Radio. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for listening.